Well, hello there and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian and you are listening to episode 226 of the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast, a twice-weekly show about intentional and eco-minimalist living. On today's show, we are applying the wisdom of the five love languages to our closest relationships, especially during the holidays. Now, the holidays are here, right? Surprise to nobody. And the holidays are about people and about connection first and foremost. It's also about intuitively understanding the love languages of those closest to us so that we can better show them love in ways that don't necessarily involve physical gift giving. I wanted to record this episode today because I think a lot of the wisdom embedded in the love language conversation gets lost in 2021 going into 2022. I also believe that if we don't talk about love languages and if we don't intuitively understand that we can show deep and true love in a multitude of ways, then we as a culture are always going to revert or resort to giving a physical gift. So today's episode is in three parts. In part one, we are defining the love languages. So if you already know what they are, this will be a refresher for anyone who's a bit rusty, or perhaps if you have no idea even what a love language is, part one will be your introduction to the concept. Part two is what I believe the love language conversation in 2021 gets wrong. And then after a quick break from one of this week's sponsors, we're going to head into part three, which is my best thoughts, my best tips for each of us to get it right, get the love languages right. Okay, now here we are, part one. What on earth is a love language? Dr. Gary Chapman first introduced the world to the concept of love languages way back in 1992. Oh my gosh, 30 years ago? That's crazy. And his five love languages explain the different ways in which people in our lives can show us they love us, right? Gary Chapman outlined five love languages. However, it's important to note that in today's hyper-consumptive society, we revere just one of them, just gift-giving, as the number one way to show love. We revere it over all the other love languages. So let's go through the love languages for anybody who's not aware. I did mention gift-giving. That is one of the love languages. That's your love language. That means that you feel love when someone gives you a gift, and especially when someone gives you a gift that's meaningful or extra thoughtful. So that's one of the five love languages. Another is words of affirmation. Words of affirmation would be your primary love language if you love hearing your loved ones tell you they love you or if you love to be acknowledged and appreciated. If when somebody says something nice and reassuring to you, that lights you up, words of affirmation is your love language. The third love language is quality time. Now, if quality time is your primary love language, you love creating memories and special moments with those closest to you. You love new experiences. You love quality one-on-one time. Love language number four would be acts of service. Now, this is my love language, spoiler alert, but acts of service means that when you're feeling stressed or tired or overwhelmed, you really appreciate when someone tries to step up and alleviate your burden by taking something off your plate. Somebody does something for you. It's an act of service. 
Those small acts make you feel loved, of course, but also taken care of. And then finally, the fifth love language is physical touch or physical intimacy. You look forward to those hugs, those cuddles, those kisses, the tactile physical intimacy for you. So the five love languages, one more time, is gift giving, words of affirmation, quality time, acts of service, and physical intimacy. Now, a fun fact here, in 2010, Gary Chapman analyzed the results of over 10,000 people who took his online quiz, and he found that words of affirmation was the most popular love language, but only by a thin margin. And in 2018, a dating app replicated his study and came up with a new number one most popular love language. They found that the most popular, most common love language was quality time. So now we're moving on to part two of today's show, and part two is a short part. (laughs) But I believe that the love language conversation in 2021 is broken. I just saw a meme the other day, uh, you know, a woman holding a glass of wine, and above it it said, red wine is my love language. And yeah, that's funny. I love red wine. But what the love language conversation gets wrong and has gotten wrong in the past 30 years since this book came out is that the conversation is always very self-centered, right? Uh, My love language is. And the reality is, is that the wisdom of the love languages is that it's not about us at all. If you actually sit down and if you actually read Gary Chapman's book, you'll learn from the first chapter that the love language that you're supposed to be thinking about is not your own. The love language you're supposed to be thinking about is your partner's or your children's or the other people in your life that you're closest to. Your love language actually isn't all that important. (laughs) There's a great quote in Chapman's book, and it is this. We cannot rely on our native tongue if our spouse does not understand it. If we want them to feel the love we are trying to communicate, we must express it in their primary love language. End quote. So I alluded to earlier that my love language, my primary love language, tends to be acts of service. And I joke with my husband all the time. I'm kind of joking, but kind of not, kind of actually really serious, that I don't want a hug. I want help. (laughs) His love language is, of course, physical touch. Mine is acts of service. So I don't want a hug, husband. I want help. And so I tend to show my love to others by performing helpful acts of service. I'm never going to be the person who spontaneously brings you a gift. That's just not who I am. I'm not going to be that person who goes in for that long and perhaps awkward hug. That's not me. But I'm definitely the person who's going to be doing the dishes after a dinner party at a friend's house. That's an act of service. I realize now that the real wisdom of the love languages occurs when I tailor my love showing to the primary love language of others. It ain't about me at all. Remember that the purpose here is deeper and more meaningful interpersonal connections with others. So I can't operate from a me-centered place and assume that just because my love language is acts of service, that will translate to everybody else. 
Nothing nurtures the world above better than the soil below, and that's why I am so excited to introduce you to Coast of Maine. Coast of Maine is an organic soil brand that offers a full range of products designed to cover all of your garden and lawn needs. In years past, my vegetable garden, I neglected the soil and I didn't have much yield. If your soil lacks appropriate nutrients for success, your garden may not succeed. And so this year, I am so excited to cultivate the soil before planting the plants with Coast of Maine's organic products. Coast of Maine believes in nurturing relationships with local retailers, so next time you're at your local retailer, look for Coast of Maine products. Get growing. Visit coastofmaine.com to find a local retailer near you, coastofmaine.com. All right, and we are back. We are discussing the love languages. We are discussing how to apply the wisdom of the five love languages to our closest relationships, especially in anticipation of the holidays. And we're on to part three, where I give you some thoughts, some tips. How can we take the love language conversation and bring it into our homes? Well, my first tip for you is to know your loved ones and know them really well. Another way to say that would be observe your family members without judgment. So if you have a partner, This could be as simple as sitting down, putting the phones away, turning them off, and having a conversation about how you would like to receive love and how you tend to give it, and most importantly, how you can tweak how you show love for the other person's benefit. Just having a simple conversation about what I prefer, which of course is help with housework, as well as encouraging my husband to perhaps bring me in for a hug less and do the dishes a bit more, that would go a long way for me. Similarly, I can show my husband love by, you know, folding and putting away his laundry less and instead cuddling with him on the couch as we watch The Office on a Wednesday night, let's say. So tailoring our love to the other person. We're going to get there. Now, if you have children, especially younger children, know that they may not have the maturity or the self-awareness to identify their primary love language. So that's where we as parents come in. It's on us to figure it out. We need to observe them. Lada, my younger child, my four-year-old, is definitely a physical touch type of child. Her body needs to be touching mine all the darn time. She's a big snuggler. But Ani, my seven-year-old, she is more of a quality time girl. Her primary love language resides in quality time with her loved ones. When we read one-on-one together, she just lights up. So I have to observe my child, my children and understand, you know, how I can best show them love. I also need to tailor my expectations accordingly. I would love it if my daughters showed me love by making their beds without me asking them to or by putting their clothes away and keeping their drawers clean. That would be great. But I have to remember that my children show their love in different ways. They show their love by drawing pictures and giving them to me. That's essentially the preschool version of gift giving, right? And of course, my husband's love, I alluded to it earlier, his love language lies in physical touch, the hugging, the snuggling, the squeezing, the kissing. And so, 
give them grace for not showing me the love in the way that I would necessarily prefer, but also gently nudging them in a way that would lead them towards my primary love language, which, of course, is acts of service. Now, tip two for you, again, of course, is to remember that your love language is not necessarily the love language of others. It is up to each of us to tailor the way we show our love to other people's primary love languages. The goal is deeper connections, and tailoring the way you show that love to others will undoubtedly deepen your relationships. Okay, how do you do this? How do you tailor your love to fit their love language? With kids, if you have a child who's love language is words of affirmation. You're going to say, I love you an awful lot. Maybe you leave a love note in their lunchbox. Maybe you notice something they did well and you make sure you verbalize it. If your child's primary love language is quality time, you are going to put your phone in another room. Maybe even you turn it off. You're going to sit on the floor and you are going to give your child that quality one-on-one attention. Maybe even go and do something special. Maybe you have like a mommy-child breakfast date or, you know, you can get so created with with quality time. And the best part is quality time makes memories. If your child's primary love language is acts of service, help them with something. Braid their hair. Check out high interest books on their behalf from the library. Make them a special snack and put it in their lunchbox. Just some ideas there. Physical touch, of course, this one's easy. Hugs, kisses, sitting close, snuggles on the couch. You get the idea. And I should just say here too that Every child is going to want gifts, right? Gifts are great. I've never met a child who doesn't want a gift. But if we observe closely and notice that our children respond to other love languages beyond gift giving, then I believe it's up to us to show our love for our children in that other way first and gifts then become secondary. My final tip for you here is to know that it is possible to nudge overindulgent relatives in a different direction, right? So start having conversations about love languages in your home with your extended families. Open up the dialogue and therefore then also open up the possibility for love to be shown in other ways than gift giving in your home. Now, when we talk about overindulgence, we often talk about grandparents. And I should say I get countless emails from all of you asking, well, how do I deal with overindulgent grandparents? I should say first that it's important to understand that when grandparents overindulge, what they're really doing is they are operating from a me first perspective, right? Their love language is likely in receiving gifts. And so they are imparting that value onto their grandchildren, your children. And while overindulgence always comes from a place of love, I do believe that giving children too much can have deleterious effects. Uh, It's not even what I believe. It's what research says. Research says that overindulgence can lead to adults who crave immediate gratification and focus on materialism and have poor self-control and have overblown senses of entitlement. So if you're going to talk to your grandparents, your parents, about overindulgence, be sure to mention that you're super grateful. Start off that conversation by conveying your sincere appreciation for their love and for their support. And then suggest alternatives. Say, Ani loves spending quality time. How about for Christmas this year, you give her a cooking lesson, a one-on-one cooking lesson. You can 
wrap up, if you need to wrap up a gift, you can wrap up a set of mixing spoons, put them in a box with a coupon, and then have that quality time cooking lesson with Ani. Be positive, but also be direct. What Ani would love for Christmas most of all is quality one-on-one time with you, Grandma. Perhaps that's a possibility? Question mark. (laughs) I would also suggest to keep the conversation positive. Focus on the future you envision for your children. Mention that you hope your children grow up with a focus that's on people and connection and not on stuff. And if all else fails, if when the grandparents come to visit, they bring a ton of gifts, just intercept the gifts at the door. Tell your children they can play with the gift after the grandparents leave. Take the emphasis, take the focus off the stuff. Put the emphasis on the visit, on the people, and not on the gifts. That's my number one best tips. Just get it out of there. Get the gifts out. Because when gifts are opened, the emphasis becomes less on the connection and more on the stuff. Now, I should say, too, that when we're talking about nudging overindulgent relatives towards a different way, this is not going to happen overnight. It absolutely is not ever going to happen overnight. (laughs) But having these conversations, setting the stage is really just planting seeds for perhaps a different gift-giving future. So those are my best tips for you as we seek to apply the logic and lessons of the five love languages, into our holiday season. My final word for all of you is to remember that changing society's reliance on overconsumption starts with us. It starts with me. It starts with you. It starts within our own homes. And by intentionally stepping away from giving gifts, we can instead place the emphasis on where it belongs, which is on all the other ways we can show our love. I will see you on Tuesday for yet another scheduled interview. Have an amazing weekend and take care.